Have you ever seen Wayne's World? Mm, no. Okay. There's a really famous scene in Wayne's World. And by famous, I mean, I think it's funny. <laughs> okay. Where they do like a count-in to mm. this TV show they're doing. They're counting down. And the guys keep nodding their heads to every count. Max on is the nodding. Max I is am. nodding. It doesn't work on a podcast. Oh, well, bummer. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Mosaic Bible Study Recap. I'm Antonia Bastian here with Max Steiner. Hello! And each week we are walking through um, the book of Matthew after the teaching time. And so we will ask and discuss three questions related to Bible study teaching that week. So this week we looked at Matthew 3 through 4, 11, and so it was um, looking at John the Baptist and Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, as well as the wilderness scene. And so we're going to start with our two things, actually. One, and this is a different week. It's the first week that we have not taught in, in Matthew, and yet we're still doing a podcast about it. And so we had late teachers teach, which is such a gift to the local church. And so we want to spend just a little bit of time talking about that. And then we're going to jump into some misconceptions as we've been able to process through the week and talk to you guys. Um, and then we'll jump into our questions. So first, Max, anything you want to say about lay teachers and kind of that dynamic of us not teaching this week? Yeah, well, I think for both Antonia and myself, it's one of our favorite things that we get to have a lay teaching team. It's really fun to train people in how to teach and how to think through explaining God's words to others. And we work through a summer pipeline where we raise up new teachers, where we work through curriculum, where we read in community, and where we practice our teaching in a mock teaching environment. And people receive feedback, they grow. So all of that to say, we love our mock teachers. They do a phenomenal job. Lay teachers. Lay teachers, yes. <laughs> and our mock teachers, but lay teachers. Yes. And uh, they are doing a podcast right now is not because they didn't do something. It's not an indictment on them. We do the podcast when we teach too. It's right. more just to recap to clarify, and to address those things that had to be cut for time. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're excited. We love, like Max said, it is super fun to get to yeah teach together, and it's good for everyone. We know we get to hear from participants that hearing from lay teachers is, yeah, such a gift to see those men and women really step into that. So, um, so yeah, that's why we are doing this. Okay, let's talk about some misconceptions. So um, yes. this text is really tricky. Yeah, um, well, it was confusing. Yeah, and I'll have to say, I mean, we've already mentioned it, but, you know, Robert taught men's house study, mm -hmm. Melanie taught in women's house study, and just so grateful for their seriousness in the text and yes. clarity and women's Bible study. I could, like, literally feel the room move from, yeah, that disorientation, that disorienting mm -hmm. feeling to clarity. And so, um, yeah, that being said, there were some things, you know, just that were disorienting. And <laughs> yes. so we just want to circle back on some of them. Um, some of those misconceptions. And so uh, the first one that we want to talk about was just about Jesus and temptation. And yes. so, um, yeah, we know that God, uh, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And yet there was a lot of discomfort around the mm -hmm. idea of um, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And so some questions about what does it mean that Jesus was tempted and maybe some hesitation to acknowledge that. And so is there anything you want to say about that? Maybe? Absolutely. So part of this is I think temptation has a uniquely negative connotation mm. for us. Mm -hmm. And temptation can have a negative connotation in the biblical narratives. We'll mm -hmm. see later on the Pharisees will tempt Jesus. They'll test Jesus with questions they ask. They're trying to find like mm -hmm. holes in his arguments and his teachings. But really, temptation itself is meant to be a neutral word. And so another way we could translate temptation is to say testing. Mm -hmm. And if you were with us in our Abraham study, mm -hmm. Abraham is tested many times during his narrative, right? And we see him fail some of those tests, but in the sacrifice of Isaac scene, we see him pass a test finally. And so to say that Christ is led into temptation doesn't necessarily mean that the Spirit is leading Christ into something evil or bad. 
the Spirit isn't causing Christ to sin, mm-hmm. as an example. I think that's how we usually think of temptation as a pair. I think that a big piece of this is recognizing Jesus plays a unique role. Right? He's typologically fulfilling the role of Israel as the new Israel. And we've seen so far in the narrative that he's called out of Egypt as a son. Right, We see this scene where he emerges from the Jordan River and moving into the Promised Land. And in this wilderness scene, we see him taking on the role of Israel, tempted in the wilderness, which explicitly happened to Israel. And what we see in Christ's case is that he passes this test. And the big thing I wanted to call out was when we were saying testing, the, the testing is something that reveals, that shows us what this person, what this character is made of. So the fact that Jesus is called to go through a test is meant to show us, to demonstrate he is the rightful Messiah. Mm-hmm. He is the one who can truly set things right for us. Where Israel failed, mm-hmm. where Abraham has failed, where David has failed, where they didn't pass their tests, Jesus does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I think, yeah, thanks for saying that, Sue. Clearly, and the only thing I'd add to that is that... Um, Yes, we see Jesus pass this test, which I think you mentioned and said all that so well. And so there's a misconception maybe about like how do we sometimes we sometimes mm. put ourselves in the story yes. of that. And so yeah, I think just to highlight again that like it's uniquely this is uniquely about Jesus mm-hmm. and how he passes the test of temptation. So the question I think can become, well, like what is that what like what does that have to do with us? Yes. You know? And it's, it should be we should see that as okay, yeah, he's taking on the new story of Israel or taking on the story of Israel, he's also mm-hmm. taking on our story. Yes. And so we must he has to take on yeah, he has to fulfill what we could not. And so just to mm-hmm. highlight that to the connection of, yes, Israel's story, there's a lot of thoughts about, okay, so this means that I can overcome temptation. Yes. Um, and that is true. And also it's uniquely yep. important because Jesus was able to do what we could not do. On our own, we cannot overcome temptation. We do not. We cannot yes. um, We cannot pass the test. And so we can look to Jesus not just as, it's not an, an example mm-hmm. necessarily as much as a fulfillment of what we could not do. Absolutely. So, I hope that, yeah. I, that makes sense. And I would say, the wilderness scene especially, that is true. Like this one-on-one mm-hmm. showdown with Satan. This is Matthew showing us this is the one we've been waiting for. Yes. He's yeah. the only one who can stand up to the tempter. Mm-hmm. But I will say when we get to the Lord's Prayer in mm-hmm. chapter 6, Jesus' language is going to mimic, lead them not into the test, right. but deliver them from evil. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're able to do that is because Jesus has stood in the gap for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think that's probably why it gets so confusing and why I'm glad we're saying the book in its progression. Yes. Is because we do get those pieces sometimes so out of order. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah, we're like working backwards when it's yes. like, well, before that, which will be really important when we get this around now, before we get to the Lord's Prayer, yes. we get to all these other things that actually shape us and knowing what we're supposed to be asking for or what it means. And that's where I'm going to give away some of my upcoming Mm -hmm. teaching for this week. But Matthew spends a long time on who Jesus is Mm -hmm. before he gets to any of his teaching. Right. And the reason is because who Jesus is is important because he is uniquely able to do some things that we can't. Right. We need him firmly established as a foundation before we worry about what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, if you have any more questions about that, <laughs> let us know. Um, yeah, anything else on that misconceptions? The only thing that I would call out is if you are interested more in that category of temptation is technically a neutral thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible Project has a seven-part series on the biblical theme of testing, mm-hmm. and it's super helpful in mm-hmm. thinking about how could God test his own son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Love the Bible Project. Mm. Um, okay, next question. Uh, so... And again, this was a little different because we weren't the ones teaching. And so mm-hmm. we've, and yeah, but we've, like you've like Max said, we've gone through this process. And so we're all 
talking about content together. Um, so what, what do we wish that there were one more time for? And even, or even just knowing Robert and Melanie, what do we, you know, wish that they'd been able, do they wish they maybe been able to continue to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I think we didn't have a ton of time for was just to go into the historical context around baptism. Mm-hmm. And so just to give a really quick biblical theology of water, I'm sure that's what all of our listeners thought we were going to do, biblical theology of water. But there's a theme in the biblical mind that water represents chaos and disorder. Mm. This would have been a common ancient way of thinking about the the chaotic seas, the chaotic waters. And so throughout the Bible, we see God bringing order out of chaos through the movement of great bodies of water. Mm -hmm. So we see like the pre-creation, there's waters over the face of the earth and out of that land comes. We see in the flood narrative, waters cover the face of the earth, and there's this decreation, recreation. Uh, we see that when Israel passes through the sea on their exodus out of Egypt, it's them moving through this chaos into uh, the wilderness and into new life with God. And so baptism is this symbol of being brought into the chaos, into death, and raised out in new life. And the reason that I think this is significant for us to understand is we are so familiar with baptism Mm -hmm. in a Christian mindset. Yes. But for the Jewish people, it would have been a really weird thing for people to be seeking baptism. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's weird is because they already had a whole legal system to Mm -hmm. express their external righteousness. Mm -hmm. So for John to be practicing water baptism, where he's immersing people in the water, it's an indictment on the Pharisees and scribes. What he's doing is he's saying, you guys are not doing enough and you're not focused on the right things. There needs to be another kind of repentance. Another symbol showing that we are in need of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, I appreciate you explaining the water and symbolism there. I know one thing, one of the questions I think was, you know, where do we see water used in the biblical narrative? And I mm-hmm. think, you know, people rightfully answered with, you know, the Red Sea or uh, the crossing of the Reds from... Um, yeah, Egypt, and then, you know, we got detoured into waters. Sure. Um, or even, you know, the, the River the river Jordan. Mm-hmm. But I do, I know I was thinking about, um, even afterwards, like, the, the connection to Noah, you know, where mm-hmm. we have, we've talked a, a lot about, you know, it's kind of new creation narrative that in the beginning, and you have this new Adam. Yep. Um, and so even seeing a little bit of, yeah, that connection there between the flood and cleansing, and um, yeah, to your point, chaos, and then bringing out order, and then a new creation narrative, which happens with Noah. And so even, um, that doesn't figure as deeply some of the other connections but that was something um, that I've been thinking about later absolutely yeah okay I think one thing uh, we also want to talk about was just uh, the question of authority came up a lot mm-hmm. like what does it mean um, when the question's asked about yeah just yeah does Satan have authority what does that look like and so that's a really big topic and totally. so we can't unpack all of that but I know we wanted to at least um, uh, to yeah come back to you just a little bit yes so I think Antonia did a great job when we were chatting a little bit about this of just recognizing words have a range of meanings. Mm. That's probably the first thing we need to acknowledge. To say that Satan has authority doesn't mean that he has all authority or that his authority rivals God's. So we can use words and have different meanings based on context. And so we should just say that up front. Words can mean different things, even if they're the same word. But when we're thinking about Satan's role in this passage... I think we need to call back to what we just previously talked about, that this is a unique episode in the life of God's son mm-hmm. in which he is tested to show his readiness and his fitness for the work that's before him. And so Satan is actually playing a part of God's plan of confirming the fitness of God's son. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that is 
upsetting to think about that Satan plays a role because that's how the biblical narrative presents him, right? If you go back to your workbook, asks you to look in Job, Mm -hmm. we see Satan is called before this council of the sons of God. uh, And this council apparently are a group of beings, angelic beings, spiritual beings that are carrying out pieces of God's will on the face mm-hmm. of the earth with express permission from God. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's not like a new category that's being introduced here in Matthew mm-hmm. that we see. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't know that I have anything to add. I think well, that's really helpful. Yeah. Maybe one piece I wanted to address is that we need to be asking a question. If Jesus is here to bring the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. what kingdom is already present? Yeah. Right? So yeah. if Jesus has come to establish a new kingdom, mm-hmm. that means there's something else in place right now. And so for when we're thinking about Satan, th- there was a verse in Zechariah 14.9 that I thought was helpful. It says, The Lord will become king mm-hmm. over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name will be one. And so this is a Old Testament prophet looking forward, saying there's a future time coming when God will be king. Well, hold on, Zechariah. Mm-hmm. Isn't God already king? Isn't he already in charge of everything? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. he is. But yeah, we see the world doesn't operate like we want it to. We see we're under the effects of sin and death and darkness. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is coming to pronounce and proclaim and enact a new kingdom. And so I think that it's a normal thing for this age, this present darkness, and especially before Jesus is on the scene to see Satan has some kind of power. Mm-hmm. That's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I know we talked about, I think, a leader meeting. That's one thing we talked about was uh, grounding yourself essentially in the timeline. Because I do think Mm. with the authority and agency, it can feel so, um, you know, abstract. And certainly it is. But by saying, you know, like, no, there really was a time in which sin entered the world. Yes. And it caused dysfunction. And we really are bearing out that um, in this present evil age. And one day, there really will be a final reckoning of that. Yes. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's really helpful to think about. And it is sobering mm-hmm. as well, which I wonder if some of the misconception is because that feels really hard to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. And so certainly if you have questions about that or if that feels, um, yeah, difficult, we'll talk to you about that because it is, it is really sobering and um, jarring sometimes. Yes. And of course, our life experiences and our experiences the world yes. bear it out um but that is yeah it's it's to me of uh, walking away from some of those those things or you know moments talking about it. it's like oh wow i really just did say mm-hmm. that somehow you know there is this being who is yes um, yeah that's really opposed to yes. god and if we call back to last week we we alluded to this talking about herod's genocide of the boys mm-hmm. of bethlehem right. matthew is not shying away from the fact that we're in need of a new kingdom yes our our present age desperately longs for what Jesus is bringing. Yeah, I think that's a great way yeah, to land that, to, to, to settle in like, oh, there really is a new kingdom coming. We really didn't need it that mm-hmm. badly. And so when I thought about that in my own experience of trying to wrestle through some of that, that was a helpful place to land in is, oh, this really is, I feel like every week I think, oh, this really is good news yeah. <laughs> that Jesus is here. Totally. It really is good news. I thought it was yes. good news and I'm confronting yes. it even better news than maybe I appreciated. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Um, And then let's see, the... Uh, so what, anything else we wish we had more time for? Yeah, the only other thing that I had thought about, Antonia, yeah. is the eschaton. Mm, favorite mm. words. Eschaton. Oh, so, man. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I have tried not to talk about this. Uh, eschaton meaning the end times, the last things. So you, it's like a discipline within theology to talk about eschatology, the study mm. of the last things. And the reason I haven't wanted to talk about it yet is because you could go down a real rabbit trail on this. And so 
I just have tried to be attentive to. Antonia is over here just like ruining our podcast Sorry, with these alarms. It happens. Uh, it does. It happens, and it's totally fine. But what the reason I wanted to bring up eschaton here is Matthew is going to have a great sense of urgency in the ministry of Jesus. Yes. And the reason there is a sense of urgency is that with John heralding the arrival of the Messiah, there is this sense of the prophets have been proclaiming and building up to a coming day. Guess what, guys? It's here. Mm -hmm. It's time for you to recognize that a decision needs to be made. Will you be part of God's kingdom or not? And Mm -hmm. we really start to see language around the eschaton in this baptismal scene Mm -hmm. where John is talking about this imagery of the threshing floor, Mm -hmm. of wheat and chaff being separated, of unquenchable fire, and of baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a positive and a negative dimension to this eschaton, to Mm -hmm. the coming end times. The negative dimension is that God's anger against sin and the judgment that he will bring against sin is approaching. Mm. And so John is using colorful language, unquenchable fire to say, recognize there's a coming judgment, Mm -hmm. but he's also pointing to a baptism that Jesus will bring of the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, something that has long been prophesied about Mm -hmm. that one day the law will not be written on tablets of stone, but on our very hearts that we would long to do the things Mm -hmm. that belong to the kingdom. This is what we've been wanting. And so I just want to point out there's an urgency, there's an expectancy, and much of Jesus, as he addresses Jewish audiences, he's saying, you guys have gotten so used to just waiting for a coming day. Mm -hmm. That day's here. Mm -hmm. It's time for you to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Are you in or are you out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's really good. So good. Okay. Next two questions. Uh, The first one is, what impact on our community were we hoping for? Mm. I think, uh, you know, I hope it's not a surprise now, but we really love our process. I'm definitely a process uh, person. So <laughs> I almost always have to go back to, well, the process works. And so um, that's something, uh, yeah, I just, you know, there was so much that was disorienting. And if you listen to the mm. week zero video or yeah. the, the, the book on overview, the video about the overview of Bible study, something that we talked a lot about is that essentially, you know, the personal study time is meant to, um, yeah, have, you know, you have personal exposure to the text, but also it does cause some disorientation. And then in small group time, we share that disorientation and try to help each other. And then in large group teaching, the hope is to resolve that. Um, and so, of course, we go through that process over and over again as we study God's word, as we do that in the community. And so I feel like this week, maybe more than ever in any Bible study passage that we've done in the time that I've been at Mosaic, um, it, I could see that in real time. Mm. And there are times where it's really uncomfortable, yeah. um, you know, to whether it's people, you know, sending us pictures of the small group questions or yes. just all those things. And there was disorientation. And then in small group, we, you know, shared it. And then I was just so grateful. And I know this happened in both of our spaces. Yes. Just so much clarity happening in the large group teaching. And so anyways, I think the impact on our community I'm hoping for is that we don't have a lot of spaces um, where we get to do that. Mm-hmm. Where we have to kind of sit in the tension of it. Yes. Um, and where we get to not just have it, but also share it. And then also get to experience it resolved. And so certainly, I mean, we all have, you know, questions really still in the text. But I do think there's a settling um, that is able to happen. We walk through it together. And so I just know I grew in confidence in our process. And I hope that the women of Mosaic and men of Mosaic were able to say like, oh, this really matters to practice for a variety of reasons to do it in this way. Um, and then I think the other thing was just that, you know, um, especially the temptation scene is one where it's so easy to, uh, we talk a lot about like, you know, first we want to know what the text says mm. and what it means, then we can get to application. Um, and so often we want to reverse that, especially yes. I know in women's Bible study, that's something that we struggle with a lot is wanting to know what does this mean about me or how do I apply this to my life? And it makes sense. We have an urgency in our own lives, right? Yes. Um, whether it is, yeah, just managing households or it's our yeah. work. And, and it's a good impulse. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you guys want to apply the Bible to your lives. Yes. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And, and yet this one, I think, was hopefully able to see, like, oh, we 
really have to sit and what is text saying so we can get to right application. Yes. Um, and so just, yeah, I think the impact was just seeing, you know, um, and Emily did a beautiful job of just explaining how each one of the verses, you know, what's happening in the wilderness is, yeah, truly Jesus, which we've said over and over again, but um, doing what Israel could not. And so each of the verses so carefully, you know, um, arranged, we could see Israel's story. Hey, they failed. And so Jesus is succeeding. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, but if you jumped to, hey, this is about us, then we had to do a lot, you know, yeah. <laughs> backwards. Yep. Kind of work there um, and so my hope is just that saying oh no we really can like I, I guess it made me sometimes a tension of like if I don't apply it first then like you know then I don't trust God's word it's like no, yeah. no no we first we really can sit in God's word and he, like he will lead us to applying it yes and so Matt my hope was to be able to see both things and that this this temptation like what a gift you know um, that Jesus prevailed mm-hmm. you know and so I think that was probably the, the big thing those yes. two three things absolutely for me when thinking about our community I was struck with how scripture can be used correctly and incorrectly Mm -hmm. because we see in the wilderness temptation Mm -hmm. that Satan is quoting God's word Mm -hmm. and so is Jesus and there's a right and a wrong application Mm -hmm. and what we'll see in the Sermon on the Mount is the same dynamic. Mm -hmm. You've heard it said and he will quote from scripture but I say to you and so just there's, it's similar to the last point you were making of we come to the text and we want to know what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. And there are wrong ways we can apply the text. There are wrong ways we can read the text. So similarly, I'm very grateful for a process in which we can sit down with the text, difficult texts, we can talk about it in community, and then we can hear from a teacher who studied it in depth to help land the plane on what does this actually mean? Because we, we can have wrong understandings of scripture but also we can work to have right understandings of scripture. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, our last question. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, what personally affected us? So I think for me, um, it's, I mean, no surprise, it kind of all <laughs> factors into what we've been talking about, but it really was this, the, um, the aspect of, you know, Satan essentially promised, trying to, tempting Jesus, and then the promise that the angels would minister to him, and then when he overcame the temptation, the angels minister to him. And so mm. I don't know that I have all of those thoughts fully picked out. There's something really, really beautiful and I think helpful of thinking, oh, so often there's a good thing that I desire or need even. Yeah. And there's a temptation of going about receiving that the wrong way. And yet, um, yeah, just sitting here and of course there's on experience and, you know, my you know, own growth in the Lord of like, no, he really will provide all that you need. You do not have to take the thing that you think you need. He will offer it in his timing. And so, yeah, I think there's something that was just really whole about that scene that I found tribute that that personally affected me going, okay, where um, and even I mean going back to last week with you know kind of you know Joseph and like he he's so bad you know he wants to honor the law yes and so he makes a provision and like that was you know good and understandable but it's like well no actually by by following me by doing yes. something that is definitely difficult I'm going to um, bring the one who will fulfill the law on your behalf and so I don't know there's just something about that that I was like I really want to remember that um, mm-hmm. and really want to yeah in my and certainly and I'm applying it to myself but in when there are areas of temptation I go you know what no like I know that God is good um, and certainly whatever I think I'm being offered here he, there's something that he is offering that's better mm-hmm. so yeah. that's great I love that what about you Max for me yeah I think I was struck by the value of study and community because it's just so easy for us to read the text one way, one dimension. Mm -hmm. And like one way I saw this play out practically is there were people in my small group who pointed out things in the text that I've never thought about, never seen. 
And it was a great reminder for me of, like, you're never, you've never mastered the text. Mm. There's always something new to gain. And especially when you're reading through the eyes of your community, Mm -hmm. there's something new to gain. And similarly, uh, this stuff is hard to understand. And so, like, I guess (laughs) one thing that came up in our group was the tension that's present in this narrative of the fact that Jesus is fully man and fully God. And I think our temptation is to read it one way or the other. He's fully man, and so like, wow, this temptation scene must have been hard. He's fully God, so this temptation scene, it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. he's God. Well, the answer is both, right? And that I feel like community helps preserve the tension of the text when we, in our Western minds, want to come and say, this is one thing that's true about God, and I can say it. Uh, the tension is, is there. It's present, and community helps preserve that. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, we are, yeah, heading into week four of week Bible four. study. Stay strong. Yeah. Um, no, we're so grateful to get to do this with all of you. And so if you have any questions, you know, where to find us. Love y'all. Bye.